Hey guys, it's Brandon. As you know, we don't typically release episodes on Saturdays, but this is a special episode brought to you all by our friends at Cool Waters Productions, who are currently doing an autograph signing with Harrison Ford. So after the Dave Dorman interview, we are then joined by Cool Waters president Derek Mackey for about 10 minutes worth of a Ford signing Q&A. And there probably won't be an episode this Wednesday, just knowing what Tuesday night has in store for me and my mental headspace, so I wanted to make sure that this was at least published now. That all being said, thank you for listening and for your support, and I hope you enjoy. Thank you for tuning in to Talking Bay 94, the Star Wars podcast devoted to interviews with the cast, crew, and creators of a galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Brandon Winerdy, and today I'm talking to Dave Dorman, one of the greatest Star Wars artists of all time. Since the early days of the Expanded Universe, Mr. Dorman's art has been some of the most iconic images of a galaxy far, far away. From Dark Empire to Tales of the Jedi, Dark Forces, and beyond, it was a real treat getting to dive in a little bit more into his process. This is Talking Bay 94, episode 86, Dave Dorman. Your art style is so unique, and you can see one of your paintings from a mile away and know that it's yours, and I'd love to go all the way back to the beginning where your inspiration started and how that process continued for you, where you turned art into your career. Sure. Well, you know, I grew up in, in the late 60s and early 70s, and there was a big comic book reader, big Marvel fan. And so I grew up with, you know, Jack Kirby and, and John Buscema and John Romita and Jeff Steranko and, and uh, all these, you know, great artists. And that's what really got me interested in art was was looking at comics. And then I just started to, to copy the drawings that uh, I saw in the comics because I thought that was, you know, fun. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I got to be in high school that I made the decision very, very distinctly to follow art as a career. Uh, I hadn't made any decision to do anything because I was playing football and I was being looked at for, for colleges. Mm-hmm. And uh, I figured, you know, I'll get a scholarship and then uh, I'll cruise through college, figure out what I want to do. And then my knee got banged up in, in uh, high school when I was a senior, and uh, that was out. So I had to decide what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, I had been drawing for, you know, three or four years by then, uh, just really interested in, in the comic style drawing. And that's really where I decided to go, was uh, into comics. Mm-hmm. And that uh, that spurred my interest in, in drawing. And eventually, uh, I became uh, aware of uh, painting. Mm-hmm. Um, more so because I read a lot of science fiction and fantasy artwork. So those books had great covers on them, very dynamic uh, uh, paintings, very colorful, very imaginative. And so uh, there were a couple artists that I really liked, one of which was Frank Frazetta. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with his yeah, work. Yeah, of course. Uh, but uh, his work very, you know, hit me like a hammer. <laughs> it's just, yeah. you know, the dynamic in, in his stuff was just so cool. And so... Um, you know, I started, uh, uh, when I was a senior, uh, I started painting and basically copying his work, mm-hmm. uh, trying to figure out how the paints work. 
And so I just did that for a number of years uh, while I was studying my drawing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to one year at the Joe Kubert uh, School of Art. Uh, they teach a curriculum of comic book style artwork, animation, illustration, coloring, painting, just all sorts of stuff. At the time I was there, which was 78, um, which dates me, <laughs> um, time I was there, they only had black and white artwork. They were very much strictly teaching the students how to draw comics, how to create comics. Right. So it was drawing it was inking, it was laying out, it was lettering, it was all the things that you needed to do comics. Right. And I was also painting at the time, and, and Joe, Joe Kubert, uh, knew that, uh, because that was part of my interview uh, with them. And it turned out, uh, when I was at the school, I was happier doing single illustrations, because, you know, a, a comic page has, you know, six to eight panels, and... Mm. Each one shows an image, and then you move to the next one. It tells a story. I was concentrating on doing one panel at a time mm-hmm. rather than laying out a whole page and really putting my effort into each single panel. Well, you can't do that when you're a comic illustrator right. because it takes time, and, and you know you got to put out the pages to get the pay. Right. Um, <laughs> after the first year that I was there, I uh, uh, talked to Joe uh, at, at the end of that year, and he knew that I wanted to paint. And he could see my my um, desire to work on single illustrations, and so uh, he he said to the to the detriment of the school because this was only the second year of the Cubert School, mm-hmm. so it was just starting out, and they really needed students to keep the school going. So to the detriment of his own school, he told me, Dave, we have nothing more that we can teach you here. Wow. We, I know you want to paint. And that's where I think you should follow. Mm-hmm. And so at that time, it was a two-year curriculum. And, you know, I would have liked to go into the second year, but he was right. You know, I wanted to paint. And so I basically talked to my folks and, and they let me live at home. Uh, I got a part-time job and, you know, I just, I worked and I came back to the, to the house and I painted. Wow. And that was my whole life for three years. Uh, about the same time that I would have been in college, you know, mm. and uh, at at about the end of that three years, I started making professional sales. I would go to shows, I would go to conventions and show my portfolio, and that was before the internet, so I'd have to right. actually go to New York with my portfolio and <laughs> take the artwork and interview with people. So I, I met a lot of uh, really fun people in the industry that I be, eventually became peers with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I started to get work and, you know, within, you know, another two years, I was uh, making a living doing this. So it was just covers for magazines and comics and mm-hmm. really goofy stuff. I mean, people, you know, fans of mine don't know the advertising work that I did back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the first work that I did was for Kamiko doing Robotech, uh-huh. you know, sort of manga style, uh, black and white covers. Uh, in a style that was not even my own. It was a style that I had to uh, try to adapt mm-hmm. into, you know, that sort of manga line. And so it was fun to do. I did probably, you know, 25 or 30 covers for them. Mm-hmm. And that was a lot of fun. And, and you know, I met a whole lot of people through them. And, and uh, uh, you know, eventually I just started to do more and more painted covers. Uh, during all of this time, um, 
you know, from way back when I was, was reading comics, I was always a movie fan. I loved movies. I just mm-hmm. loved to go and sit in the theater and watch the big screen and see the movies. And, and um, we were a military family, so my dad was Air Force. Uh, we lived on a couple um, bases that had theaters within walking distance. And back then, the military theaters changed movies five times a week. And so I was just watching everything. I'd just go down and like a quarter to see a movie, 10 cents for my age, it was 10, 10 cents. And I'd just go see everything. I saw some of the craziest movies. I saw some of the classic movies and, and uh, that really whetted my appetite. So, you know, so I kept in, in touch with what's happening in the movies through various magazines and, and stuff. And I enjoyed it, science fiction, especially. Then I heard about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And uh, 1977 rolled around and, and, you know, that sort of knocked my socks off like it did a whole generation. Teenagers and, and college kids back then. Uh-huh. And uh, I became hooked. And, and visually, it really changed the way that I look at my artwork mm-hmm. uh, then. And it still does today because I still do work with Lucasfilm and, and mm-hmm. I still enjoy the movies. But the interest in movies uh, sort of crossed over into my painting. Right. And so I started to pursue the comic companies that had movie adaptations, Mm -hmm. things that I could sort of combine those two interests. So I started to get thing here, thing there. And then in 1989, uh, I was working with Dark Horse. I had done maybe a dozen covers for them on various books, Trekker and Mr. Monster and and, uh, Dark Horse Presents and Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of different, different types of things. And so they got the license to do Indiana Jones. Wow. And uh, I, I heard about it, and so I called my editor, and I said, you know, I'd love to do you know, Indiana Jones covers. <laughs> right. And so uh, they said, okay, you know, we'll, we'll mention your name. And so I sent them some samples. I had done an Indiana Jones painting, you know, or two back then, and then I had my other samples of movie-related uh, mm-hmm. material. And they came back to me and said, okay, you got the, got the job. Wow. So that was my big introduction to Lucasfilm, and, mm-hmm. and that really started off my career, basically. I mean, I was, I was doing okay, but the popularity of, of Indiana Jones, and then the following year in 1990, uh, when Dark Empire, Star Wars Dark Empire came right. out, uh, I was chosen to do the covers for those as well. Because I had that reputation with Lucasfilm that they were very happy with the uh, Indiana Jones work. So, yeah, so that really my <laughs> career skyrocketed and, you know, I couldn't be happier. It, it, it was just one of those things where I was in the right place at the right time. And, you know, I, I don't know what would have happened to my career if I hadn't, <laughs> you know, been there. But my work was getting better and, and I probably could have sustained a job. <laughs> but, you know, to combine my love of art and the love of, of cinema, uh, especially Star Wars, just really was quite the thing. And I've been, I've been working with uh, Lucasfilm ever since. You know, uh, Dark Horse lost the license in, in right. the early 2000s and, uh, or mid-2000s, I guess. And so uh, I stopped uh, doing Star Wars then. The Marvel got it. I did a couple of jobs with them. So I'm still working. I still have a right. good relationship with, with Lucasfilm. And, and I still do Star Wars and Indiana Jones. And, you know, because of that, I got Aliens and Predator and right. uh, Reanimator and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And, <laughs> you, know, you name a, a, a license, I've probably worked on it at some <laughs> point in my career. So uh, I've been very lucky. 
yeah. and being able to pursue the two passions that, that I love, film and, and art. So that's that's sort of the long story of how I get into it. <laughs> no, I love it. And I think what you said, being in the right place at the right time, especially with Star Wars, because in my mind, that 90s, early 90s period with Dark Horse is the first time there's new Star Wars. Right. And every single comic was your cover, really. And Right. And it brought like kind of a movie-esque quality to these things that obviously were not Star Wars movies. And I'd love to talk a little bit about the early expanded universe and your role in there and working with people like Kevin J. Anderson and all these incredible authors and creators sure. to, to build a Star Wars universe that people hadn't really experienced in, in quite a few years. Well, we started out, uh, Tom Veach and Cam Kennedy, did uh, Dark Empire and then and then eventually Dark Empire two, and finished off with um, whatever they called three. <laughs> they didn't call it Dark Empire three; they called it Empire Zen. That yeah, it. that's what it was called. Yeah. And uh, Tom was he was just into it. Cam and and Tom did a, a mini series. I believe it was called The Light and Darkness Wars for Marvel's Epic Line, and so that was very science fictiony. Um, uh, mechanical, you know, lots of spaceships and mechanics and things. And Cam was great at that. So it wasn't a surprise to see Cam involved in, in doing uh, uh, the artwork for Dark Empire. Mm -hmm. uh, Tom, uh, he had written just a ton of stuff way back from even the, uh, the underground comics of, of the late 60s and early 70s. Right. So, you know, I, I knew both of their names, but I'd never met either of, of the guys. Right, and so um, months before uh, the books came out, obviously uh, uh, we all got in contact with each other and started throwing images back and forth. And Tom was telling uh, telling us about you know what he was going to do with the characters, and all all of this was approved by Lucasfilm mm -hmm. at some point in the production. So you know what I was hired to do was basically create a sort of movie style-ish cover artwork mm -hmm. that would grab the viewer and make them want to pick up the book, take a look at it, and, and hopefully buy it. Uh -huh. um, so stylistically, I did something that I did with Indiana Jones was uh, Drew Struson had, had made a very definite look to the artwork right. for the Indiana Jones and, and the uh, uh, Star Wars movies. And so I sort of adapted uh, some of his techniques, uh, his looks. Uh, he, he paints in, in acrylics and, and uh, color pencil. I paint in oil, so I didn't adapt his techniques. But I <laughs> adapted some of, some of the looks that he has in, in his uh, style to sort of familiarize the viewer mm -hmm. that they weren't looking at something completely separate. They, they would look at something that had some familiarity, right. but was still original. That's how I approached the covers for Dark Empire. Mm -hmm. Then we moved into Crimson Empire, and I started to do a little bit more of my own style, a little bit less of, of Drew's uh, technique. And then as we moved into uh, Tales of the Jedi and, and uh, X-Wing Rogue Squadron right. and Crimson Empire... You see me moving into doing, you know, some of my own my own work, right. making uh, making a few more sort of pulp oriented covers, more action and dealing with single characters, you know, doing something. Karnar Jacks fighting a whole bunch of right. stormtroopers, or or uh, Mara Jade, you know, fighting you know stormtroopers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, so so I had a lot of fun with that, and it was great working with with all the, the right. artists and, and writers. Um, but you know, as far as as my contribution goes, they would basically either give me you know one or two lines of description of what they wanted on the cover, or they send me the script and say, you know, Dave, choose a scene. Right. I mean, that's my job is to to create an image that is a grabber. Mm-hmm. That you know, you look at and you say, "Wow, that's interesting." Let's see what's going on there. <laughs> so, um, uh, so that's what I do. I mean, there wasn't there wasn't any any standard rhyme or reason. Right. Uh, it's uh, you know, if the if the author or or the artist had an idea, they'd throw it by me, and and uh, you know, I'd work up some sketches and see if I could do something with it. If not, you know, about half of the time. They just said, you know, give us a good cover. And so, <laughs> and you did. Yeah, that's you know, I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tales of the Jedi was real fun because we weren't dealing with movie related right. material. Everything that had been done up to that point was very much based on, on the movies. So when Tom uh, created uh, Tales, uh, he was definitely going in, in a different direction as far as as the look of the characters and the look of the worlds and, right. and things and all that had to be run by Lucasfilm as well. Right. But they were a little bit more lax with, with uh, approvals on that because that was so far in the distant past. Mm-hmm. It was nothing that would really tie in with any of the movies. Right. So they, they had much more creative freedom to work with those characters and, and such. Mm-hmm. And then I'd have to sort of, sort of redesign them structurally to, to look right in a in a i say 3d painting <laughs> in, in a realistic right um uh, look of uh, piece so that was a challenge and and it was a lot of fun i really enjoyed it quite a bit yeah i mean incredible stuff of course and if i went through every single one of your covers we'd be here forever and and so what i what i what i would love to do instead is focus on like one more thing that sticks out to me is just a star wars fan especially sure. grow, growing up in the 90s which is a little bit different from your work beyond just a cover which was Dark Forces Jedi Knight, because not only did you, you know, work on the cover, but there was the 25 full color illustrations on the inside, right. pretty much making you a co-author of that story. And I'd love to hear a little bit about the process you had working on that, because even now I still love that's a trilogy. And I think that's the final volume with that right. trilogy. And, and it really is such a, a crazy, interesting way to go about a, a graphic novel, quote unquote, and I'd love to hear your stories um, working on that. Yeah, well, to begin with, uh, the format that uh, we used on on uh, Dark Forces was a format that I pushed with with uh, uh, Dark Horse when I did the Aliens Tribes book. Right, and that was in ninety five, maybe mm-hmm. I think. Which I I love illustrated books from the twenties and thirties. You know, mm-hmm. the N. C. Wyeth and and Howard Pyle books and, and just, you know, these big thick novels with about, you know, 20 really cool illustrations. Right. And, uh, you know, that's, since I, I started, you know, making a living at, at doing this, I, um, I wanted to try to do something like that, have a volume of a real interesting story with my illustrations. Mm-hmm. And so with Steve Bissett, uh, we came up with Tribes, you know, we, we did that, proposed it as a, as a novel. Uh, I, they didn't call it a graphic novel at the time because mm-hmm. it wasn't. It was an illustrated novel. But mm-hmm. they had some type of weird <laughs> weird name for it. So we did that. It, it turned out to sell very well. So Dark Forces 
was originally a computer game uh, featuring Kyle Katarn as the uh, reluctant Jedi who takes possession of the Death Star plans and takes them to the Rebellion. Mm-hmm. So this is all non-canon anymore because right. of uh, Rogue One, mm-hmm. which is my second favorite movie of all the Star Wars <laughs> movies. Uh, Dark Forces game had the storyline that took you through the game. Sure. It was very fun. I, I played it before I, I got involved in the uh, uh, production of the book. Star Wars game, of course I'm going to play it. <laughs> so, you know, so I was familiar with it. And when uh, Mike Richardson called, Mike Richardson, the... Um, uh, editor-in-chief publisher of Dark Horse and said, you know, we have this uh, interesting project we'd like to get you involved in, but it's a big project that Lucasfilm wants to develop into more than just what it is. Mm-hmm. So what happened was they got three writers and did three volumes of, of story. Uh, it's one It's one complete story, but each book is separate in itself. And it t- tells the story of Kyle Katarn. Uh, the first book introduces Kyle. The second book introduces him, I believe, to the Jedi ways. Uh, and then my book, Dark Forces Jedi Knight, basically adapted the game. Right. So you start with the beginning of the game and you take it all the way through to uh, the defeat of the dark Jedi and Jedi Temple and, mm-hmm. and the big mind bomb and, and all of this other stuff that was very cool. And so they chose three artists uh, to do it. And they asked me which one I wanted to do. And it's either going to be the first one or the last one. <laughs> and uh, I said, I said, I'd like to do the last one because I was more familiar with it. I, right. At that point, I hadn't read any of the other books. But because I was familiar with the, the third part, which was the game, right. I decided to go ahead and, and take that one. And then I kept my fingers crossed that this was actually going to sell. Mm. Because if the first one doesn't sell, <laughs> they may do the second one. But if that one doesn't sell, they were going to pull a plug right. on the third one. <laughs> so, you know, that was a, a real, um, uh, you know, roll of the dice for me. Right. You know, the guys did a really good job on the first two books. I really... I uh, thought that the uh, story w- was very interesting and, and uh, you know, captivating. Right. The artwork was something that uh, y- you didn't see uh, stylistically, right. you know, within the Star Wars universe. And, it's, and it still worked to tell the story. And then with me, you know, I just took it in a very straightforward uh, illustration fashion mm-hmm. and used, used the techniques that, that I had. I, I didn't want to go in any different direction you know i wanted to give the fans what they expected a dave dorman (laughs) you know book of illustrations to look like right and so uh um i did it was it was really fun it was 25 paintings and and, uh, i had just a a ton of fun doing all of these you know uh new characters as well as as old uh uh, machinery you know atst and as the new frigates that I did this sort of uh, NCY this uh, painting with shadows on the figures and this uh, you know um, balloon like raiders in the background. It was, it was just a lot of fun, <laughs> and uh, uh, I really enjoyed it. And I think it makes it a really good trilogy. Yeah, you know, it was it was a really fun project. It really did well. You know, at a time you know before the the uh, prequels uh, came out and. Uh, Star Wars fans loved it. Yeah, it's a be- it's a beautiful book. Yeah, 
Yeah, you know, I still sign two or three at conventions. You know, I do a little, little sketch inside. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm real happy that the uh, fans still loves that stuff. That's great. And uh, yeah. I would be I would be remiss. You brought up Alien Tribes, Eisner Award-winning Alien Tribes. <laughs> you yes. didn't mention that. But uh, incredible yes. work in there as well. Oh, thank you. You mentioned the prequels, and I loved your work on the Revenge of the Sith adaptation. That really sticks out to me. And so what's great about Dave Dorman art and Star Wars is that you've been able to progress through all the eras, right? You get it when the expanded universe is just kicking, you get special edition stuff, you get prequels. And then I've really right. loved seeing you taking on Ray or you taking on the Mandalorian. And it really, cause it feels like Star Wars, at least to me, and I'm sure to many fans, but really to, to kind of tie this with a bow, your work now, uh, what have you been working on recently and what can fans be looking for, for Dave Dorman in the future? That's uh, that's a real hard question uh, to answer <laughs> because I, I've I sort of stepped back a little bit from the publishing industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I do the occasional project here and there, but I've moved into doing you know more personal work, commission work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do strange paintings on can on canvas, uh, these sort of industrial um, fantasy paintings and. <laughs> <laughs> it's something that that I you know I'm hoping to get in market for eventually, but uh, it's just stuff for me. Right. Then you know I'll do you know other fun projects for friends, uh, some Kickstarter uh, uh, things that uh, friends call and want to you know cover for that mm-hmm. will help uh, you know help their sales. Uh, Fleer Upper Deck uh, has been giving me some work every couple of years on some of their Marvel projects. And so I just got contacted last week about uh, contributing some cards to an upcoming Marvel oh, project for next year. So, you know, I get some uh, superheroes, uh, <laughs> superhero stuff out there. Uh, I do some work on Facebook. I do mm-hmm. do live painting probably three or four times a week. I'm in Chicago, so it's like 11 o'clock in the morning here. So it's, <laughs> Wherever you're living, and you can you can figure that out. Uh, some of the pieces that I do, I make prints of. Some of the pieces I do, I sell. Right. Uh, some I do just to to show uh, techniques or talk about my artwork. And yeah. and probably one out of three or one out of four of those is a Star Wars piece. Yeah. Uh, not not for publication, but <laughs> just because I want to do it. Right. And so so my interest, you know, still comes through in the artwork uh, there. Uh, I, I've done some work for Marvel, and, and I really like to do some more work. You know, I'm, I'm enjoying doing stuff for myself mm-hmm. right now That's because, great. you know, as an artist, you you work all your life, and you say, okay, you know, when I retire, I can do some stuff for myself, <laughs> and I'm not going to retire. You know, I'm always <laughs> going to do this, but I figure, you know, now is the time to uh, to do that. Incredible. I mean, obviously, if you cannot tell. By this 30-minute conversation, I'm a huge fan, and it's just a joy to talk to you. Thank you, Derek, for for introducing us, because I would love now to talk about, Derek, what you're working on right now, which is the third Harrison Ford signing, and being able to work with Dave on something special for that Harrison Ford signing is just like the the best of a bunch of different worlds combined. So absolutely. What what can what can fans expect? Well, you know, it's I have to commend Dave, and he's heard it a million times, but I just think he's an incredible artist. And you know, I used to work for a division of Dark Horse, and I remember, you know, all the Aliens covers and Predator covers and Star Wars covers. <laughs> and and my first introduction to 
Dave's work was the Indiana Jones comic that he was referring to. I actually have one uh, in my office. So, you know, he's, he's always been in the forefront of my mind. And, you know, we've met a few times on the convention circuit. You know, we do a quick handshake and, and say hello and exchange info. And, you know, lo and behold, I never thought that I would ever be working with such an amazing artist for something. But, you know, I get, I get asked a lot when it comes to our talent, you know, Billy D. Williams and Harrison Ford and, and just all the people that we rap, you know, we, we've seen the same images over and over again. You know, we, there's only so many images from the film that can be printed to be signed. And there's on, only so many images from behind the scenes that can be, right. you know, out there. So I'm always looking for something new for any of my clients. And, you know, it's great when the licensees like Tops will go into the archives and pull something new. But for me, it just, it, it gets a little, it gets a little boring after a while. So when Harrison agreed to do this next signing, I've been rattling my brain on something that we could do that would be very unique and very special for, you know, the fans. And I'm sitting at my desk one day and I, I don't know what I was doing. I was just muddling around and I was, I opened my contact list on, on my computer and was just going through it. And I, I passed Dave's name and I'm like, whoa, I'm like, wait a minute. I think I'm going to reach out to Dave and see if he'd have any interest at all in doing something, you know, for, for me and for Harrison Ford. And Dave was gracious enough to get back to me extremely quickly and, you know, and said, yes, I have some interest. And, you know, we went back and forth and talked and we came up with a deal that we're both comfortable with. And, and I'm grateful that Dave has agreed to do something special, you know, for our Harrison Ford signing. So that, you know, that's the basics of it there in yeah. his artwork. We talked about, you know, kind of what I was looking for and, but the, the rest of it, I left up to him. And, and when he showed me his, the, the rough painting the other day, he texted it to me and he's like, well, this is not a hundred percent, I can't remember if <laughs> color corrected or something like that. And I'm looking at it going, this is amazing. And I sent it to Harrison and I told Harrison, you know, the deal and what we were doing. And Harrison, very quickly, he's, he's usually not super quick at getting back to me. He wrote right back and went, yeah, this is great. If we want, if you want to do this, we can. So, you know, I chose Indiana Jones as, you know, between Harris, between Han Solo and Indiana Jones, for me personally, Indiana Jones, I just have this little part of my heart that loves it. And what, what's even better about it is that it's actually one of Harrison's favorite characters overall. Mm -hmm. And so when I told mm -hmm. Dave, you know, that I think we're going to lean towards Indy, you know, rather mm -hmm. than Han. And, you know, he was like, let me come up with something. And, and I was just go for it. And like, <laughs> and this is, this is what he came up with. And it's, brilliant. Oh, I love it. And, it's brilliant. Yeah. I'll put a, a link to the YouTube video for this for the people that are listening to this via audio because you have to see this. It's Temple of Doom indie with the machete. It's incredible. That is that is just classic Dave Dorman. I love it so much. That's awesome. Uh, those will be available. I think we're going to put them on sale this week, either Thursday or Friday. And Dave and I talked at length about how to make them extra special. And what we both agreed on was doing a very limited edition. They're, they are only going to be 25 hand-numbered pieces by Dave. He will be signing all of the prints before sending them on to Cool Waters for Harrison to sign. So I'm hoping and anticipating that they will sell out. And I, I know that Dave has said the same thing. So I'm making sure that I get one signed for Dave. We're going to do an article. <laughs> and Dave, part of what I, I told so. Harrison in the email, I said, don't worry, Harrison. I said, you're getting one of these for sure. 
to make sure that Dave signs one to Harrison. So I think it's pretty cool. exciting. That's awesome. That's really great. Uh, when Derek uh, said Han Solo or, or Indiana Jones, I was just, Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones. I really like the Indiana Jones movies quite a bit uh, mm-hmm. because that, that falls into my other you know, love of adventure films. You know, as opposed to science fiction films, but I think Indy has more of a character to him uh, than than Han Solo. Uh, there's only so much you know that you can do with the uh, white collar and and the black vest, but with uh, with Indy, you can have a lot of drama uh, in the um, in the artwork. And so I was very happy to, uh, do, like I always am with any uh, Lucasfilm material. I was very happy to do. Uh, to do another piece. This this piece that Dave has done for us, this is the first of hopefully a collaboration that will continue. So I love it. I'll, I'll leave it at that, and I think that'll please. Fingers Dave crossed on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a good working situation so far, and and uh, I would certainly like it to continue. And if you have a Harrison Ford seal approval, like, what else can you ask for? Hey, right? Yep. <laughs> very, very true. On the note of Harrison. Cool Waters, this is the third send-in signing with Harrison Ford, which if you had asked me 10 years ago, five years ago, I'd have said that's impossible. Um, but Derek, you did it again. And so I know there are a few questions that a lot of people are asking that you would like to get on the record. And so if you'll allow me, I'll just blow through them and you yep. can uh, answer as as you're willing. Please, absolutely. Fire away. Okay. First question, <laughs> why is your address a UPS store? Okay, I got asked this yesterday in an interview, and I think it's going to start becoming my, my cachet. And, and I'm sure Dave, being somewhat of a celebrated personality, will understand my point of view on this. I work from my home, right. and my home is my sanctuary, and I need my privacy. And at the same time, I actually do have clients who will come to my home for meetings, whether they're new clients or clients that I already have. Right. And I can't have strangers knowing what my address is and showing up on my lawn and believe it or not i've actually had it happen so yeah it's uh, I, it's there for our protection and and yeah. and you know dave i'm sure right i mean fan, fan oh, of it, where you are it's it's ha- it's happened in my career uh i have a post office box and uh yeah i've had people show up at the door wanting to have a tour of the studio and uh, I, I know completely. I, I mean, I work out of my house and, and uh, I don't want people coming that are unannounced and it happens. And, and, you know, the great thing about the UPS store, unlike for a post office box specifically is, and this is why I, I like them, is that they accept all forms of delivery, UPS, USPS, FedEx, DHL, hand deliveries, you know, like a courier mm-hmm. and everything is secure. Like I've, I've known those guys at the UPS store for 25 years. So they, you know, have gotten to know me really well. They know the people that we represent and they protect the packages. And, you know, so that's all that it is, guys. It's not, you know, if some people are like, oh, Cool Waters isn't real. They have a fake address. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think if we were fake, people like Harrison Ford and Billy D. Williams wouldn't be working with us, guys. <laughs> well, on the note of pricing, and I know, especially with Harrison, the price point is high and fans are, you know, for the most part, very understanding of that because it's Harrison Ford. But why are things priced the way they are? The easiest way to explain it is just, you know, Harrison's never going to do a convention. And he is perhaps one of the most iconic and well-known celebrities 
of all time. And I'm, I'm including going back to the legends, right. you know, people like Clark Gable, you know, and Greta Garbo. I mean, Harrison is going to be someone that long after the three of us are gone, the, the people talking here today and all the fans who are watching, no one's going to know who the hell we are. <laughs> right. Dave, maybe, Dave, maybe, yeah. but Harrison Ford is going to be known till, you know, 2000 yeah. years from now. I mean, it's going to be forever. So, you know, a lot of effort and thought went into, you know, a brand issue and making it something that is is special and unique and it's not saturating the market, you know. And so the price points were decided upon the way that they were. And we know that the prices are not for everybody right. and we can appreciate that. And what we tell those people, you know, to be polite, you know, what I hate is when, you know, trolls on the Internet are like, you know, oh, these people suck because they're charging all this money or whatever. It's like, well, look. We're not on the red carpet getting it for free. We're not in our office forging it. We do have staff, you know, so there's things behind it. And again, we want to protect Harrison's brand. So a lot of effort has gone into those and it is what it is. So if the price isn't for you, it just means don't buy it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Well, I mean, on that note, people listening to this show know Cool Waters because so many of our guests, especially early on, came from Cool Waters and will always be so appreciative. But how can... Cool Waters be trusted if someone just found this online? And then uh, how would they know that the autograph is actually real? You know, the biggest thing that I tell people all the time is to do their research. And a lot of times people don't do research or they just, they they Google something and they just read the first thing at the top, which is typically a paid ad. So right. you know, you're not really doing the research. So if you if you research Cool Waters and, and, and on Facebook or whatever, you can ask people, and because I, I see it all the time, you know, like fans who are brand new who don't know us. You know, does anyone know who Cool Waters is? And then we'll get like three or four, five comments going, yes, 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 we know them. You can trust them. But again, it's a portion of research. So uh, the other thing that I took steps for last year was I struck a deal with Beckett Authentication Services, which is one of the highest recognized and respected authenticators and witnesses in the industry for autographs. Mm -hmm. And I went back and forth with them and I, I kind of, I almost didn't do the deal actually, but I, I, I finally agreed to it with, and again, I did my research. I, I looked up who they were, what they've done, who they've worked with. Right. And I feel that we vetted them enough and they vetted us as well. And we feel that the partnership is good. So when, when you get something from us and this is anything moving forward from here on out, and we offer it at conventions as well, is it's going to have a Beckett authentication sticker on it, which is lifetime guarantee, and you can track it on their website. It tells you the date it was signed, where it was signed, right. the item that was signed. You can't fake stuff like that. So, you know, that's that's how you can trust this company and what we do. Awesome. And I mean, final question is more just of a, you know, a lot of the people that are sending in, this is such an opportunity with Harrison to complete a poster or to, you know, complete a multi-sign photo. What does Cool Waters do? staff-wise to handle that item? And then is it safe to even mail things in right now? I know that's a concern for people. You know, we have a very small dedicated staff. And specifically when it comes to Harrison, the only people in the room are Harrison and his assistant. And Harrison's the only one touching the items. Then it's me and my assistant. And most people have met us at conventions. And then it's Kevin from KLF Sports and his assistant. That's it. Kevin's assistant and I are the Beckett witnesses. We are the mm-hmm. ones that are contracted through Beckett to be the witnesses. And so that, those are the only people in the room. So we are the ones handling your merchandise. And my staff, we are very ginger with everything. We treat it as if it was my own. 
we know we handle the items as if they were their our own. Now I will I will stress mistakes do happen, accidents do happen. Could we accidentally tear something or drop something on the ground? Absolutely, guys. But we're doing our best to make sure. Now the other part of the question then comes into what you're sending in, and that is beyond our control. If you're sending something in through FedEx, UPS, USPS, DHL, or whatever version, th until the item gets to us, anything that they do, that is beyond our control. And sadly, things do get lost and things do get crushed. And what I have to tell the fans is, if it means that much to you, make sure it's insured. And if it, and if it really means that much to you, honestly, even if it costs me a dollar, don't send it in. I would like you to send it in. I'd like you to get your complete poster signed by Harrison or any other client that we're, that we're representing. But honestly, if you're that afraid, then don't send it in. I recommend personally FedEx. In my own experience over 25 years, FedEx has, now they've made mistakes, yes, but they've been the one with the least mistakes, the least damages, and the ones whose customer service tend to be a little easier to deal with and help fix the problem. Mm -hmm. I also tell people when you mail your stuff in, and it's so sad, we just did a signing with Billy D yesterday, and we got everything out. There are people who like throw stuff in a box, and they barely pat it, and, and they send it, and it gets crushed. So if you're sending stuff in, guys, pack, pack it properly. Uh, you know, movie posters, this is what we recommend to everyone. Go to Home Depot and get a PVC pipe. They, they are solid. These pipes are solid. They are not going to get crushed at all. And it's worth the investment. The PVC pipes, you know, they're not cheap, but they're worth the investment. Protect your pieces if you're sending them in. Yeah. And I mean, again, uh, incredible opportunity. I'll put the link in the notes, of course, uh, how to purchase and, and where to go. Derek and Dave, thank you both for coming on. Thank you for the stories. Mr. Dorman, uh, what an honor. And uh, please check out Cool Waters and everything they're doing. Y'all both stay safe and, and hang in there. Thank you. Thank you again to Mr. Dorman, as well as Cool Waters Productions and Derek Mackey, as always. Check out the link in the show notes for the exclusive Indiana Jones print we were talking about, as well as a ton of other options for the Harrison Ford signing. Our live rewatch last night of The Mandalorian Chapter 9 was a ton of fun on Scener. Thanks to all who joined us, and we'll be back again with a couple of special guests for Chapter 10 this next Friday, so we'll see you then. Head to Scener.com slash TalkingBay94 to set a reminder, and I'll see you there. So until Friday... Stay tuned, leave a five-star review, and may the Force be with you. And please vote.